Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookend brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Makia Lucier. She is the author of three previous books, A Deathstruck Year, Isle of Blood and Stone, and Song of the Abyss. Her new book is Year of the Reaper, which is published by our friends at Clarion Books. Makia, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It is an honor to have you here. And first, Makia, how have you been doing these past couple of years under COVID-19? And how has it been promoting a new book during this time? Well, I think like most people, it's been been a rough couple of years, but I think we're seeing the end of it. So things are getting better. Um, My daughter just went off to college in September in person. Mm -hmm. Um, So things are looking up. Things are are looking much, much brighter. Um, As for publishing a book during plague, it is a plague book. So it's a weird experience. Um, Mm. So I don't know. It's just strange. This whole last few years, very, very strange. Yeah, absolutely. I have a five-year-old son who just started kindergarten, so wow. we're kind of on opposite ends of the school-going spectrum. Yeah. But it's still, I'm still glad he's able to go in person and uh, not have to figure out the virtual thing. Um, yeah. Well, Makia, you started this book before COVID-19, but as you mentioned, it is about a plague, and you have written about plagues and pandemics before. Has the prospect of a pandemic or a plague been something that you have thought about throughout your life? And as such, now that we are here, do you find that you were mentally prepared for it? Well, I think I have always been fascinated by historic plagues. Mm -hmm. I am not fascinated by COVID. I'm done with this plague. Right. I'm tired of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's because back when I was a kid, we didn't have cable. And so whenever um, Ben-Hur came on to CBS, Mm -hmm. I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, three and a half hours of it with Charlton Heston mm-hmm. and watching that scene where he goes to visit the leper colony just blew my seven-year-old mind. Mm-hmm. So ever since then, it's just historic pandemics have been a fascinating topic for me. Um, mm-hmm. So for my first book, that was set during the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was writing that story, I started to think that that story took place right in the beginning, right when things were going down, people were falling in the streets, there were emergency hospitals springing up everywhere. Um, Mm. And people didn't really know what was going on. Mm. And while I was writing that book, I started to think, well, what about the survivors? What happens to the people who are alive at the end of the story? What comes afterwards? And that is basically what inspired this next story, Year of the Reaper. It's a story about the survivors. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, again, because you've written all of these things about plagues and pandemics before, when this one happened, did you find COVID-19 is what I mean by when this one happened? Did you find that you personally were mentally prepared having thought through all of these things before? I don't think you can ever be mentally prepared for a real life pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was eerie and it's fascinating to see things happening today that happened back in 1918 during the Spanish flu Mm -hmm. um, with masks, with vaccines, with Mm -hmm. emergency hospitals. So Mm -hmm. it's just, it was, it's a little surreal to see how history repeats itself sometimes. Absolutely. Thank you, Makia. Um, For our listeners, can you take a moment 
to set up the introduction to your book where Princess Chihan is riding towards an arrangement while her people are literally dropping around her. Okay, so my favorite thing about historical fantasy and historical fiction is to be able to take those little bits of history um, that people don't really know about and just to build a story around it. And so this particular scene at the beginning of Year of the Reaper is inspired by a real life event. Um, way back in the 14th century, 1340s, there was um, an English princess named Princess Joan. She was the daughter of King, the English king. Mm -hmm. And she was sailing from England to Spain to marry the Spanish prince. But Joan died of plague. She never made it to Spain. Mm -hmm. And no one knows what happened to her body. No one knows where she's buried. There is no official record of it. Mm -hmm. So I started to wonder, well, what happened to her? And so what I did was I took this character, I fictionalized her, and I built a story around that particular character and, and the events surrounding you know, her, her, flee from, her flight from plague. Excellent. Thank you so much. Friends, this is a good time to mention the Crook's Corner Book Prize, what Pulitzer Prize winner Charles Frazier calls the coolest book prize in the country. Awarded annually for the best debut novel set in the American South, the $5,000 prize is intended to encourage emerging writers, whether published by established publishing houses, small independent publishers, or self-published authors. This year's winner will be chosen by best-selling novelist and poet Ron Rash and will be announced in January 2022. For more information, visit www.crookscornerbookprize.com. Makia, back to Year of the Reaper. Um, after this introduction that we just spoke about, we quickly switch narrators uh, to Cass. Cass can see ghosts. Uh, why and for how long has Cass had this skill? So, well, I can't really say how long he's had that skill. It's a little bit of a spoiler, <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll pass on that one. But I wanted Cass to be able to Cass throughout the story is trying to solve a mystery. He's trying to um, figure out who was out to harm the royal family and those closest to him. And I thought it would be great um, for him to be a character who is who is literally haunted um, to be able to solve this mystery. So along the way, he has these ghosts pop up, conveniently for me, the storyteller, to help him along his journey. And I just thought that was a fun, you know, I love historical fiction, but I love throwing the fantasy aspect at a story, throwing ghosts and sea dragons and whatever I want and calling it historical fantasy. So ghosts were, were part of the story. Absolutely, thank you so much. And Cass has survived the plague in this story when everyone else who has contracted it uh, seems to die and swiftly. Um, did you do research on, you know, the plagues of 1918, et cetera, and the survival rates and finding out how uh, many people survived and how and why when you were writing this aspect of your story? Yes. So I am a former librarian and research for me is probably more fun than actually writing the book. Um, it's a good thing that I don't have, that I do have deadlines because if I didn't, I'd probably still be researching. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I absolutely researched both the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, mm -hmm. um, the Black Death of the 14th century, and actually, I have two new 
books were for Year of the Reaper, The Great Mortality, mm -hmm. this fantastic nonfiction, and for um, the 1918 Spanish flu, The Great Influenza by John Barry is, is just wonderful. So those books go into amazing detail about death rates, about how people um, reacted to the aftermath of plague. It, it talks about just everything you could possibly want to know. So that was just the start of my research. But yes, I did a whole lot of research for these stories. Excellent. And listeners, for those of you who can't see us, uh, we're talking on video over Zoom and Makia uh, just grabbed those books that she just referenced and showed them to me. That's that's fantastic. Uh, well prepared for writing your novels and for this interview. Um, where were you a librarian? I was, let's see. So my first job in college was as a library assistant at the University of Oregon. I worked at the Eugene Public Library, um, a library in New Hampshire. My degree is from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee in library studies, specializing in children's literature. So I never meant to become a writer. I thought I was gonna become a librarian. Oh, excellent. Yeah, most of my in-laws are in Oregon. It's a beautiful state. And uh, I too, I worked at NC State University Libraries before cool. I came here to college books. A very fun job. Well, thank you, Makia. Listeners, we are gonna take a short break for a word from our sponsor. And then I will be right back with Makia Lucier. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Makia Lucier, author of Year of the Reaper, which is published by our friends at Clarion Books. Makia, outside of your book, I'm wondering if marriages that are arranged between feuding countries or houses or what have you, these marriages that are arranged with the idea of uniting feuding parties or countries, do they ever work out? And if so, can you give me an example? Well, I'm not even sure if they ever work out. I know that in fiction, fictional stories, they they can go in every direction. Mm. There are some alliances that, yes, they will pull two countries, two neighboring countries out of war. There are other stories where it does the opposite. So it just every situation is different. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much. I now want to ask you about a quote early in your novel, uh, which in context is taking place between Cass and a ghost named Isaro. Is that the correct pronunciation? Isaro, yes. Isaro. All right. Isaro is asking, don't you believe in prayer? And Cass says, not anymore. And then continues, look where you are, where we all are, and tell me, you believe there's someone watching over us. So many dead. What has prayer done for them? In quotes. 
Uh, Makia, do you believe this attitude that Cass is expressing here is pervasive during trying times, during a plague, for example? And do you feel like this attitude is prevalent today in 2021 under COVID-19? Well, I can't speak for people today. I can't speak for people today and their beliefs, really. But when I was writing about Cassia and what he was saying when he was speaking of Azaro is to put it into context, Cassia is 18 years old. He has just survived three years of war uh, as a prisoner of war. He survived plague. He is coming home alone and he is, the guy's battered. He's beaten down. Um, he's seen people die all around him. So when I'm writing a character, I try and put myself in their place. And I'm thinking this guy is not believing that anyone is watching over him right now. He's had a really hard time of it. So that's what I was trying to express when he was talking to Zaro. Zaro wants final prayers. And Kaz was like, no way. I'm not praying. I don't believe in it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite, which is why he was so upset. So that's, that's why I wrote that scene that way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, I feel good about asking this question now that I know that you are a former librarian and a well-researched author. Um, I have a question about traveling by horse. Um, as many characters in this book travel by horseback, if someone is tired, nodding off and such, uh, one should obviously not be driving a car. But is it possible to ride a horse in this condition? What's the worst thing that could happen if you fall asleep at the reins? I think the worst thing, of course, is that you can fall asleep and fall off your horse mm -hmm. and knock your head and die. That's probably the worst thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that reminds me at the beginning of the story, there is a soldier on horseback who is very ill and he's coming down with plague. And it's not a spoiler. It's on the first or second page. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, that guy falls right off his horse. So no, you shouldn't you shouldn't ride a horse impaired. You shouldn't drive impaired. You shouldn't travel impaired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how often folks fell asleep when they were uh, riding horses back when that was the main mode of transportation. Well, thank you, Makia. Um, to continue for a moment to ask you about animals. Uh, there are a lot of links in this story, L-Y-N-X, and I did look up the plural of links. It can either be links or lynxes. Um, why links and why do they hold a special place in this setting? So what I did was the setting of the story is inspired. It's based on medieval Spain. And the reason for that is um, I grew up on the island of Guam. I was raised there. And until 1898, Guam was part of Spain. So when I was thinking of a setting for this next story, that just felt like a natural fit for me. And when building a world um, around the story, I also researched what animals were common in Spain um, around that time, or at least in Spain. And the lynxes came up and I Googled them and they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so I threw them in my story because I could. How old were you when you moved away from Guam? Let's see, I was on Guam when I was a week old, and I left when I went to the University of Oregon. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so um, what would you say was the difference between growing up in Guam and maybe uh, your childhood just left for college growing up in the United States? The difference between someone who grew up in the U.S. versus Guam? Yes. I don't know if there's a huge difference between except climate. I mean, if Guam is very similar to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. It's also U.S. territory, um, mm -hmm. like Puerto Rico. 
there's a ton of U- U.S. military on the island. Mm. So it, going from Guam to Oregon, it was just colder, mm. but mostly it was the same. Yeah, was there a, so there was a large military presence yeah. there. There was like military folks walking around. I have in Eugene, Oregon, but other than that. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, um, Hawaii is the only state that I've never been to. Uh, I've been to everywhere you can drive to, basically, so I really have no comparison in my mind. Um, but I'm sure it's very beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, stepping out of your book for a moment, uh, because we are a podcast of a bookstore, um, we are recording in a bookstore right now. Your book, A Year of the Reaper, when it came out, by the way, was our uh, number one bestseller that week uh we were really yeah absolutely was yes and a qrb bestseller list and we're very thankful for that but um this is the holiday season we're recording here on december 2nd um this podcast will air uh the following monday from today um and because it's the holiday shopping season are there any books that you would recommend uh, for our listeners uh, to pick up um either for themselves or for gifts during the holiday season do they have to be new books? They do not. Okay. Well, a newer book I read recently, um, earlier this year, was The Rose Code by Kate Quinn. Mm-hmm. And it's about female code breakers during World War II. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. It's just pure historical fiction. I loved it. I read it in a day. Um, but an older book I read recently and loved is called Tooth and Claw. And that's by Joe Walton. Mm-hmm. And everything I've read by Joe Walton is just so strange and beautiful. Her, her stories are great. Tooth and Claw is about, it's like Pride and Prejudice, but mm-hmm. with dragons. So nice. I loved it. It was great. And if you're looking back at my childhood, I think two books I, that I remember that still stick with me are Anna Green Gables by mm-hmm. Ella Montgomery. That's about a girl who grew up on an island wanted to become a writer sounds familiar (laughs) and then I remember reading Stephen King's It when I was 11 and I remember it gave me nightmares for years afterwards so (laughs) it was probably the first time that I realized the power of storytelling because that was that was one scary book I am still terrified of clowns to this day Yeah, I'm from, I have a couple of friends who are terrified of clowns as well, uh, likely inspired by that same book. And uh, Pride and Prejudice with Dragons sounds great. It, of course, reminds me of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and then our local author, John Kessel's uh, excellent book, Pride and Prometheus, um, which was very, very good. I haven't read that one. Oh, it's so good. You know, it's kind of a mashup between Pride and Prejudice and Frankenstein, obviously. Mm. But, um, yeah, uh, I picked it up expecting it to be something completely different than it was. And it just blew my mind. And he was one of the early guests um, when this podcast first started up. I'm going to read that. Yeah, check it out. Thank you, Makia. Um, finally, uh, to whet our listeners' appetites for your story and bring them in to buy a signed copy of this fantastic book, Year of the Reaper, uh, there is a scene where a young prince, a baby prince, is drowning, and Cass saves him. Afterwards, the now Queen Jihan says, you'll be at the keep very soon, and we will take good care of you. To which Cass replies, I can take care of myself in my own home. Don't trouble yourself 
your grace. This scene, Makia, has a ton of gravity and resonance in this story. For our listeners, explain what's going on here. So Kel's kind of rude. It's kind of a rude thing to say to a queen and a dangerous thing to say to a queen. Um, But keep in mind, this guy was a prisoner of war in the country where she came from. Mm -hmm. You know, he considers her his enemy, at, at least at that moment. So he he's being honest. He doesn't need her help in his home. Um, he inside, he just wants her to go away. Um, so I think he was very restrained under the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, uh, Makia. And thank you for writing this wonderful book um, and for signing copies of us here uh, for us here at Quail Ridge Books, where, as I mentioned, it has been a bestseller since its release. Listeners, I've been speaking with Makia Lucier, author of Year of the Reaper, which is published by our friends at Clarion Books. Makia, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. Once again, I would like to thank Makia Lucier for joining me. Copies of Year of the Reaper can be purchased at www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N in the promo code space, to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Bookin'.